my pleasure to facilitate this chat. I'd just like to start by the first peoples of this land, from whose wisdom and generosity we are constantly learning. Where we are and the history that precedes us involves how we work and how we move forward. So I would like to pay my respects to the traditional owners of the land in which we are gathered, the project This is a chat. Artists within orgs, who's doing it? So, we've got a few people here who are doing it. <laughs> and we're going to hear from them about how they're doing it, what's working, what's not working, <coughs> and from anyone else here who's had experiences working inside orgs or not, wants to crack in, needs to know how. Eva's joined us, which is awesome, so we'd like to see you um, just quickly, if you haven't met the person next to you, can you introduce yourself to them? Or are we all going to be the same? Familiar. Isn't that nice? That goes. We'll fix everything this way. A reminder, of course, it's a flexible listening space. Furniture around. You can just as comfortable as you like to be. Fidget. Just try and explain acronyms if you use them, and try and um, give your attention to whoever's being generous and sharing their stuff. Ariel Gray. Mel Cantor. Independent artist. How are you? Well, I think we've all got a bit of a sense of how last great artists included artists in their organisation. Yeah. But can you touch on that for us? Yeah. Um, so, the Last Great Hunt, for anyone who doesn't know, um, there are six core artists of the Last Great Hunt who um, we are, the company is kind of, was kind of built around us, so to speak. Um, and we are only recently um, waged on 0.6, which is
of like an artistic subcommittee, which sounds like an oxymoron, um, as well. And we regularly meet to kind of um, make sure that we're communicating, talking to each other, making more strategic decisions. We all work together to kind of make our strategic plans, which is like, what is our vision like for, you know, five years, the next five years and beyond, which sometimes we just make up. Um, but then, um, 
when we work with an artist, um, I feel we do real work try to work in partnership with those artists. So, um, and as, as the whole organisation, we are always working to um, support an artist's vision. Yeah. Um, so that is the primary purpose, is that we are there to help an artist create you know what this is. something. And that's completely driven by their own artistic um, vision. However, that doesn't mean that we just follow absolutely everything so, um, that they want to do. If, and I suppose that's where I say partnership, because at times um, we will absolutely support everything that the artist wants to do, but we will also... But you're in the real world. Well, we'll also pro provide context <laughs> and skill around, around our own expertise, which is, you know, that's not going to work because of this. Or yeah. also, you know, that this person on the other side of the country or the world is also doing something quite similar. You know, because we, we do have a national... behaviours and all of those kind of pressures that yeah. you're across. Yeah, so um, oh. I feel like in, in the main, um, I would say that we have um, nearly always brokered a really excellent relationship with our artists and we, we love them. Like, I mean, we do talk about how much we love our artists all the time and that's true. Um, what about in the sense of like working with an artist advisory on Colliac? Oh, yeah, Colliac. Yeah, so um, I suppose, as you know, we did the Creative Hub last year and that was such a quick response. But that was actually when we, we got all of the artists we were meant to be working with last year um, on a Zoom when we were in lockdown and said, what do you need? What do you, um, what do you need from us? How can we help you as an organisation? Um, and they just basically said, we'd love to have time together and be together. And, um, and that's how the Creative Hub happened. And we just really quickly kind of ended up getting funding for that. And um, But we also curated the program for the last year's half. But still, um, we, that was saying to the artists, what, what's interesting in you right now? And then we basically picked up all the threads. So we went through everything that everybody had written. And then we pulled out all the threads. And that, that's why we called it artist, artist responsive. Um, so it was really kind of responding to what the artists wanted to discuss and, and, and then kind of playing with getting that creative hub. But we also then, like we would as a producer anyway, we also inserted things into there that we felt were quite important industry provocations. Um, and I felt that worked really well. But then at the end of the, um, we did a debrief at the end of the hub, a couple of debriefs actually, more than one, um, <laughs> because we got so much information and we actually went away for three days as, a, as our team to, to review all the information and talk about what we were going to do. Because also there was a lot of pressure and I was like, oh my God, like we're only 2.8 people and like there's just so much kind of expectation and I need to be careful to manage that. Um, and we just came back. Um, and then we, we came back with sort of four sort of areas that we said we can follow this up and one of them was to do another hub. And we had a meeting to take, and, and we, with the artists to say, do you want to do another hub and how do you think it should work? And there was a discussion about, well, maybe it should be artist-led. And then a discussion is, what is artist-led? Does that mean it's one person leading? Does it mean there's two curators who are making all the decisions and they're driving the line of inquiry? Um, 
correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a strong response from people as well saying they wanted to they do want producer led. So they wanted to do producer led and artist responsive. But they also wanted to, to feel like everybody was inputting to the um, yeah. to the thing, not just one artist doing it. You mean they wanted their cake then either? Yeah. Well. yeah. yeah. Okay. So we stuck with the same thing, but what we um, decided to do was let's have an artist advisory where we pay us to help us so that we're really keeping ourselves on track with being artist responsive and not just um, making our own decisions in our own bubble either mm -hmm. and so we put out an EOI to the artist cohort and we chose four people Mel being one of them um, which was um, Mel uh, Grace Chow Daly Rangi and Alex Desbrock and um, and then we worked, and we just said, actually, and, and they came to the um, meetings with DCA with us, so that everybody was in that conversation. Um, we said, you're going to have to help write applications and um, uh, make decisions about who's going to be in the cohort. And that was another really key thing. Um, because of the expectation, it was like, oh my God, it was so easy for us last year because we could just go, these are the people that we are meant to be working with. So we're just going with these, and it was a really, easy way of explaining to people how it was chosen. Whereas this time it's like, oh, she was like, how are we going to make the decision? Also, it wasn't easy actually, because there was a lot of, you know, a lot of applications, but really great people that Hundred applications. we could only interview so many, but. But it was, I guess it was just that thing of also um, dispersing the decision making, gatekeeping. Um, and making sure that we were checking, checking, balancing ourselves around. Well, of course, we know these people, so we're going to, you know, go with those people. We need to make sure that the decision making is is, is flattened out here. And so, um, the artist advisory helped select um, who who was in. Um, came to the meetings with DCA, so they really understood also what was needed in terms of getting strategic initiatives funding. So that's that means that we have to have sector impact.
Oh, you were great. To no, you were. You were great. I mean, I think it's a thing to more ideas that we need to talk about this, we need to talk about that, and then between the four of us, we'd have to kind of figure out what generally was the strongest kind of But the most important thing, the sector, the artists. Yeah. So, um, I think it was, it was definitely, though, a really good model um, for this to, to work, and we absolutely continue to work with an artist advisory. Um, and, and also, we pay them for all of the time that, that they um, were working with us. And DCA, are, are, you know, were really encouraging of that. Yeah, and great, um, great insights too, especially for the two emerging artists, I think, on that panel, on that advisory group who, you know, then you are in a meeting with DCA, you are kind of seeing how those kind of conversations evolve, what comes out of them, so I think it's really valuable both ways. So the way the performing lines like 
the, the way that we make income is through through producer fees of every single project that we um, do, and we try to get those obviously if we get the grants. Um, so we can make more income that way, or 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 apply for you know funding to do something specific like that, or a sector development thing that would still have to be. Board, but I have an artistic 
advisory committee. Yeah. So that I put together when I came in, um, which is really helpful for me. Uh, we've got Derek Nana on our board, yeah. um, and has been he's been with the company since the start. So it's nice to have someone that not only has that artistic knowledge but that knowledge of the company amongst it. We have had artists on our board. It's similar to in our office in that <coughs> retaining, you know, independent art and it has you moving, constantly moving and constantly and very rarely available. So <laughs> <laughs> and they get paid to be our board board can only have four members have to be Indigenous, um, but we can have associate members specialising in something um, on our boards that are non-Indigenous. So at the moment we've got a lawyer and an accountant. Um, and they've been with us forever. But otherwise they have to be First Nations. Um, our subcommittees, they don't. But they're not board members. But no, it's voluntary. Which I kind of like because it, you know, the onus isn't you must show up and contribute. It's if you care about this. Come yeah. on, that's you. You know? Yeah. Has anyone got any kind of their own um, experiences about being inside a company in that way or not being inside one trying to get in? Can I just ask just yeah. off the topic to say what those like you mentioned um, Zach and Rory mm. and you talked about like arts specific role. Can you just tell us what those roles are or what you should Well Zach was originally employed as associate artist to write a play for us and also develop our workshop. I've bumped up his role uh, into creative director. He's in charge of all the community engagement and education, as well as writing for us. Right. So he's the only one that gets paid to art. Right. <laughs> Essentially. Right. Um, Thank you. Well, you know, uh, there are moments. Twenty percent of the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the term artistic director is a weird one. <laughs> um, yes, I get paid to art, but I get paid to harbour artists, which is. You know, it's one of my strengths, so that's fine. Um, and I get paid to encourage art, but I don't often get to art. It's, yeah. I mean, that's an interesting scenario, isn't it? Like, we've got a lot of our companies that kind of have this artistic director figure in them. But, like, you're, you're, I think you're right. Like, a lot of the job is not artistic or directing. <laughs> I mean, the visioning is art. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, we but actually like, do. <laughs> did you feel like when you went into that role that it was kind of completely different from the rest of your practice? Like how prepared oh, did you yeah, but, but it was very informed by everything else yeah. I've ever done. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, personally, it was something I was always aiming towards. I didn't think I was ready for it two years ago. But, <laughs> you know, you're jumping on the ground. Um, but I, mean, I applied because I put my hand up for everything in the industry and felt like I was informed enough to be able to do it. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I am still arting, I'm just not getting paid for it. I still write and I still, you know, go to see things and, and advise as much as possible, which is kind of part of my job and kind of part of what I do anyway. So yeah. that was, yeah. I'm just curious because, like, certainly on the business side of Last Great Hunt, I feel pretty art. Yeah. Always. Most of the time. Um, and it's a 
majority of the jobs I did before I got this job, I felt like I should go and get a business degree. You know, I felt so out of my depth, but I learned so much. Yeah. You know? oh, <laughs> so okay. yeah, yeah. It's true, and that's where I, that's where great managers come in and great producers and, mm. and useful board members. Is to, to having made that I still have to have 
finish, finish that particular project, still project-wise, you feel that, of that, that way, of course, but um, yeah, there is the opportunity for, for, for that support um, and to, to know and trust that the vision of the company isn't going to be left in the hands of, of people who have um, different minds, like, yeah, so I think that's mm. one of the things. Can I ask um, your company that is so fantastic that now you're on the constant wage? And I know that you did get paid for a certain number of weeks or whatever mm. before, but how do you feel in the previous structure where, where the administrative staff were being paid ongoing and the creative staff team was not? Well, I, there, there's actually been a lot of a lot of thoughts for years from the board to like, we should pay them, we should pay them, we should pay them. And I think actually the resistance came more from us um, than, um, than from the structure of the company. Yeah. Um, uh, because we still had it uh, um, pretty good where, where we have um, uh, uh, an amount of weeks, I think it was 10 or 12 weeks, um, to spend on creative developments at our whim, which was really one of the best things because if we had an idea for something, there wouldn't be a long, arduous um, process of proving yourself and jumping through a bunch of hoops about that idea. You could just pop in, pop in a room at very quick notice and just work on stuff. And, and then on top of that, any tools or projects? You got paid for a separate budget. And so particularly for, for me who, um, and other people in the company as well, but from my perspective, I was doing a lot of touring at the time as well. So it pretty much worked out full time because whatever whatever time I wasn't touring, I had to squeeze in full time development work anyway. So it, it for me it was very much a full time job anyway. But some, some of the other people uh, in the company who weren't touring as much, uh, it was a bit more of a of a second job as opposed to a primary job. Uh, so which is a potential
kind of brought us together in a way. Like I saw the last year and the world going on that felt like the world's going together and keep recalibrating and rebuilding. Yeah. yeah. But I, I do, so I didn't, I didn't necessarily feel the divide, but um, I think there was just a little bit more room for us to come closer together, which I didn't recognize until we're now all on, all on um, you know, a portion of the full-time wage. And it, it does feel a bit more unique. But, um, In terms of the artistic, you know, and
Well, they get a four-year contract and then the job goes up for other people to apply. And then they can reapply for the same job. Ah, right, so it's not like a continuation of things. But it also kind of makes me wonder, that model, like I kind of feel like, oh, that's shifting to a much more interesting model. I feel like it's like, feels much more collaborative. But then it just makes me also wonder, like, what would you do? I mean, I guess in some ways, when Brett, she was the
because it's a lot of people that I are very. This is big, I can let you all know that a, a, a small changes are better than big ones. Yeah. You don't freak people out with small changes. But you know, it really is the idea of how we appear, things like that. Um, who's doing what? I changed people's roles quite dramatically when I got in there to, to try and play on strengths rather than um, designating. <coughs> We're an arts company. We should be working together. Yeah, right. Right. We're not <laughs> no, and constantly every day going. It's not sheep stations. It's theatre. Yeah. Why aren't we having fun? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is the experience then that uh, most of the time in these arts organisations, the restructuring of the ideas of how we can look at different models, it feels like that conversation is mainly coming from artists. Yeah. So, like That's it's super it's exciting. Mostly artists who are having the conversations around how do we achieve or coming up with the different ways that it might be able to work. Mm. Absolutely, but it's just as healthy to know, to give things a go, realise it was a mistake, and go back to how you were. Yeah. You know? We need to test things, yeah. right? We need to pilot yeah. them. Yeah. Mm. And we have been doing the same thing for a really long time. And even at you know, the tenure, it's been an interesting discussion that I think could actually really benefit yeah. some of the people mm. in those roles. Yeah. To know that they're not so. Tuesday. Yeah. 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 Yeah
echoing what um, you've just like thrown out and also kind of jumping off the back of what you've said, right, about the idea of when to opt out of something that you feel really stuck in because you feel like that's almost like your responsibility to an organization that you've started. But I also am kind of thinking on the inverse of it is like when do you get into it, you know, and you're realizing that there is this real void in the way that, you know, there, or there's a lack of space or there's a lack of opportunity. And, you know, as, um, you know, from my background, I run also on congruently to working at the last great hunt. I started a small arts organization, um, an artist-run initiative gallery space, because at the time, I think, in our, like, you know, visual arts sector lost, I think, seven or 10 gallery spaces in a space of about seven years a lack of funding and just people being like burnt out and whatever but we were all you know like we have you know the the, the energy we've got the knees and the backs and the, and the and the ideas to come into the space all as an artist as, as artists um kind of forming the board structure um and and really starting from a point of being like okay well there's really nothing else we need to hold space we need to create something to kind of give artists opportunities to have places that they can perform and show work and do this stuff around us. So that's also, oh, sorry, a really exciting thing as well that is on the inverse of this really like existential, like kind of burnout thing. It's like, well, what about a burn in, I guess, you know? Um, or like, a, yeah, burn in, which I think has been a really exciting thing for me as well. And thinking about, you know, this, um, uh, we call associate and as a succession plans and thinking about models of actually building from the ground up, um, building, um, passing through, and handballing over into your organizational models and making it something that isn't about the people or the space, but about the, um, the processes and the vision and mission and whatever, and like kind of having it in archive and having that able to be handed over in a really nice way. So you can step out of it and say, I'm, I'm sure that you've got this. And that's a really exciting thing to have seen that space now operate for three years and cycling through so many different board members and having new people come in and come out and tap back in again. It's been really cool. Yeah. Yes. More of a third-party anecdote.
supported by their box office income. So if they fail, it's it's a fuck up for them. Like, um, so you know, and that's that that actually ended up happening through COVID. The reason why those bigger companies they actually need to bail out because their 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 structure is so reliant on box office income in a way that like performing lines is not, which immediately allows us to take more risk because we are not. We're not as on, on the edge of on the income structure. Like we actually, and and we picked up a different place. One, um, it was telling me that that they are the, the state company that relies the least on box office out of all the state yeah, companies. Yeah, yeah. Which um, yeah, I, I know you see massively rely on box office. Yeah, it's like 80%. Like 80%. Yeah. Yeah. They also have huge philanthropy. They have huge yes. philanthropy and they also have a, a, a massive subscriber base. Like shows just sell out. So yes. Only two subscribers. So if yes. you want to go see shows, you have to be a subscriber. And if you see them often. But it makes me wonder whether that is harder like, to change. Then that just comes back to, well, I think we're in a lucky position. Yeah. But because in Dogan and yeah. state theatre company, has less responsibility yeah. from box office. I, I think that's a, I think that's a much better place I guess to to be in. Only because my philosophical view is that art should be a service to the community and therefore should be funded by government and given as a service. And I think the more you kind of put a notice on box office, the sooner ticket prices go up, the sooner art just gets the mass the population. Sooner it becomes an elitist yeah, activity yeah, yeah. where the people who can afford to go and see the things that you need to charge two hundred dollars for will be the ones that you make the world. Yeah. And I think I think we need to if if the Australian Council the government want to diversify our audiences, then they need to take much less pressure away from what's on this that's essentially the thing that reminds me that I'm an artist every day, is that my risk lies around the accountability to everything. Yeah. Not not that's not my job, that's Peter's job, he can have it. <laughs> but we, we actually argue all the time, because he's like, we, we've got to charge 50 bucks a ticket. I'm like, we're not charging 50 dollars a ticket. I'm like, wait, come, what's the point? Do you know what I mean? So it, it's, it's that constant negotiation. But it does, definitely reminds me every day that I'm an artist and I'm doing this for my community because I have those arguments, because I have to have those arguments. We have to be accountable, not just to the black people community, but all the arts community and the you know, um, in everything we do, and how am I building those audience engagement? Rah, rah, rah. It's by taking risks, but only the right amount of risks. Mm -hmm. Which is, well, like I was saying, even the larger of the small to mediums, we become risk yeah. There's so many risks we can't take. Totally. Mm -hmm. you know? Which is shit, but it is what it is. The the I feel when Yuri Arkham was a lot smaller, we could take a lot of risks. Mm -hmm. We took a lot more risks. And but as an independent you know, artist, like when you're making a show, the blur, yeah. we've all done. Yeah. You know, the freedom of that compared yeah. to the kind of conversations you're having in an arts organisation when you're making work. Mm -hmm. the, the, the different level of responsibilities. Yeah. When you're making the show just by yourself in an independent group, you, you, you are responsible mainly to yourself and the people in that yeah. room. But when you're outside in an org, your responsibilities grow. Absolutely. Well, how do you find managing that? Um, it's, I think if you want more security, where funding bodies come in, but also just individual job security, you 
you're constantly giving up certain freedoms artistically yeah. to kind of get that. Like, I think, I, I think that's just the Totally. 
for each you know, just that, that reminder, let's advocate for each other where we can in these sessions, outside of them, at government level, at company levels with one another, you know, stronger together, yeah? Mm -hmm. All right, thanks, Gary. Mm -hmm.